Hello, and welcome to Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics? <laughs> That's question right. Mark, exclamation question point, mark, question mark, exclamation point. Yeah, this is um, a new title for our podcast. Uh, but before we get into that, let me tell you who I am. My name is Will Hines, one of the two co-hosts of this here podcast. And I, my name is Kevin Hines. I'm the other host of this podcast, uh, this newly transformed podcast. And uh, Kevin and I are uh, performers and teachers at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. Kevin in New York, me in Los Angeles. And um, we love comics and we love talking about the comics that we have loved together. Well, we're also brothers. And um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, also we're brothers. But, uh, and uh, did you say that? No, I just like that. It was like that's like a toss in. Yeah, yeah. And who cares? We're also related. And. Um, yeah, but this is uh, this podcast is being reborn. Kevin, do you want to explain what's going on? Yeah, so we did a podcast called Screw It. We're just going to talk about Spider-Man. Uh, and we did like 40-some episodes of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we ended it because we covered all the issues we wanted to talk about for Spider-Man. Um, but it was just popular enough for us to want to continue just barely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we didn't want it to be as long. Uh, we didn't want to do another 40 issues in a row. We didn't want to necessarily be hamstrung into just doing Spider-Man or just one character. So we rebranded it as comics so we could talk about whatever comic books we want. And we're starting with the Fantastic Four. Yeah, we're talking with the with the Marvel Comics, uh, the birth of modern Marvel Comics, uh, the Fantastic Four, who you probably have heard of, but I bet... Not as many of you know a lot about as you do as as people do about Spider Man. We'll we'll see, and um, yeah, we're gonna do. We think we're gonna do like nine or ten episodes on the Fantastic Four. Yeah, and that'll be our second season, basically. Of screw it, we're just gonna talk about comics. Season one was Spider Man. Season two will be these Fantastic Four comics. And what I'm hoping is like people who like comics but maybe haven't had a chance to dive into the Fantastic Four. Maybe, maybe you'll listen to these and sort of just and maybe this will just like pique your interest to dive into it more. Um, we're going to be focusing on the original run with Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, who they did 103 issues and like whatever, nine annuals or however many it was. Uh, yeah, not nine, but a bunch. I think it's and, five um, or six annuals because then it became reprints for the last couple. OK. And um and, uh, you know, and this is a seminal work in comics, and Kevin and I also happen to just love it. And um, and we're going to do it a little we, we, we're do it a little different than we did the Spider-Man one. We went one episode per one issue for Spider-Man, and we're going to be doing it in, like, bursts of issues this time. Which is, is like too like many issues. episodes. Yeah, instead of doing, like, an episode per issue, which means this podcast would last for the rest of our lives. <laughs> um yeah, we're going to sort of cover big, big swaths of it. And uh, like I say, if you're a comics fan and you've never really delved into these original Fantastic Four issues, you're going to love it. These comics are fascinating and they're really weird and they're great. Among them are some of the best superhero stories ever, some of the most legendary. There's also uh, some bad ones that to me makes it also interesting. Not maybe bad, bad, but there's some real weird stuff that happens and uh, and that and we love those as just as much. Yeah, I think compared to Spider Man, this comic is a little harder for a non comic book reader to get into. Like if you were just like, oh, I like these characters, they look cool, I'll read 
the first 20 issues of Fantastic Four, I think you might not get through them. Where I think with Spider-Man, I think you would get through them. I think you'd read them and be like, ah, oh, these are these are weird and a little dated, but I love them. That's my yeah. Spider Man has aged a little better. Spider Man is more modern and it's also more consistent. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's a little bit little bit harder to get into for the modern reader, in in my opinion. But um, but but I do think that the best issues of this stack up with the best issues of Spider Man, and probably he, there's probably as many of them. They're just sort of buried in the middle a little bit. Yeah. Um, and one of the things. Oh, a side note, Kevin and I each have cats, and for some <laughs> reason, our cats love it when we podcast. Like, my cat, whose name is Hopi, named after the Love and Rockets character Hopi, um, as soon as I get the microphone out, she comes cuddling right up to me, and she's not a cuddly cat. So I guess she's just a ham who just, like, likes being close to the microphone. So you and might hear cat, her purr is what I'm and, saying. And my cat is also on my lap. His name is Parker, named after Peter Parker. <laughs> uh, Spider-Man uh, And he's also on my lap purring right now He just Any chance he can get to get on my lap he wants And definitely this microphone he's like Oh you'll be sitting here a while? I'm in <laughs> But Parker's a cuddly cat Parker is a very cuddly cat So is Louise She might also show up But only to kick Parker off my lap Louise is named <laughs> after uh, the character from Bob's Burgers Louise Um, Hope he had a sister named Maggie, who is the other character from Love and Rockets. But Maggie has passed on, so Hope he is it's just Hope he here. But um, spoiler alert! Uh, <laughs> spoiler no. of my real life history <laughs> with cats. That's right. <laughs> um. Uh. Anyway, okay. That's a side note about the cat. You yeah. might hear purring. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah that's what we're um, getting at there. So yeah, we're Bro- gonna do the FF. So Kev, let's get into it. Um. So just for those maybe who've only heard the name The Fantastic Four, or maybe not even that, why don't we just say, what what are we talking about, Kev? Who are The Fantastic Four? So The Fantastic Four is a is the first Marvel super team, I guess, um, unless you count like the Invaders from Timely Days, but the first like modern superhero team from Marvel uh, from 1962, was it? Uh, 61, I think. 61. And uh, it was a superhero team. It was the first superhero comic Marvel had put out in a long time uh, since, like, Captain America had sort of ended his run or his run had sort of vanished. Uh, and it was made up of four people. The leader's name is Mr. Fantastic. That's why they're the Fantastic mm. Four. And right. then uh, it's his uh, his love interest, Sue Storm, or the Invisible Girl, as she's known back then. Now she's called Invisible Woman because uh, – mm-hmm. Uh, comics got a little bit smarter. Uh, his best <laughs> friend, Ben Grimm, who becomes the thing, as well as uh, Sue Storm's younger brother, Johnny Storm. That's a great right. name. Johnny Storm's a great name. Johnny Storm is fantastic. Um, now, if you don't, if you're not familiar with the Fantastic Four stories or issues, you'd probably recognize them. Like visually, they look great. And they're super iconic and they're all over like Marvel merchandise and stuff. And like they're just very recognizable. You got Mr. Fantastic stretching himself. You know, they wear these blue uniforms, no masks. And you got like Mr. Fantastic is basically like a plastic man sort of character. The thing is this orange, rocky brute. The invisible girl slash woman is always turning invisible conveniently, half invisible whenever there's like, you know, some drawing of the FF. And then Johnny Storm is burst into flame and flying about. And they sort of correspond roughly to the four elements, water, earth, air, and fire. And they do, they look great, man. The Fantastic Four have always grabbed me visually. 
And even if you're not a fan of these characters, I mean, there have been three movies based on these characters, multiple cartoons based on these characters. They've always sort of been, I mean, since the 60s, uh, uh, like a second tier Marvel property. But then so is Iron Man. Iron Man probably is a third tier after Fantastic Four, and he's now the most right. famous. So it yeah, always movie, change. The, yeah, the movies <coughs> have changed the hierarchy a lot. Like within the comics, the Fantastic Four are like the royal family. They predate everybody in terms of their publication history. Uh, they were a hit apparently like very early right away, which encouraged Marvel to do more superhero stuff. And they are – the characters within the – you know, within the fictional Marvel universe are like famous kind of like a Kennedy's sort yeah. of family that everybody knows and respects. But in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the FF, of course, they're not even part of it. They don't exist. The movies that have been made haven't really been great. Um, and so popular culture wise, the FF do not have the impact of Iron Man, even of Ant-Man. <laughs> right. But, um, within now, comics, Ant-Man, they are, they're that's not only- a hero. Yeah, Ant-Man, that's a tentpole Marvel character. Um, but not only were FF first, they were they were really like the template for a lot of Marvel comics. Like the creators, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Stan Lee, the editor, scripter, co-writer. Jack Kirby, the artist, co-writer. Um, these are the two guys who are most important to the creation of Marvel comics. Without argument, anybody would agree. Everybody agrees on that. And the FF is where they kind of cracked the code on how they were going to do Marvel Comics in general. Yeah. And even when the, Jack Kirby was drawing like half the books and Stan Lee was writing all the books, uh, I think Kirby put more time into both Fantastic Four and Thor than any of his other books. So even though this ran 102 issues, this wasn't a book that he was just sort of doing uh like breakdowns for he was drawing this comic he was still writing this comic this comic was still his baby uh up till near the end i would assume if not the whole time he was on it oh yeah you can feel the passion when you read ff like uh, jack kirby's a genius uh he's one of the most talented and creative and prolific creators of comics certainly superhero comics um respected and beloved by everybody and this is Slightly open to debate, but not that much debate. Fantastic Four is his crown jewel. Uh, And this guy had a lot of crown jewels, so he certainly has a lot of other great stuff. But he loved the FF. So if you like reading something where you know the creators are putting a lot of their own passion into it, you'll love the Fantastic Four because it comes through big time. Yeah, I mean, if if Jack Kirby was Joss Whedon, this would be his Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Like, he's done stuff afterwards that is great. But he's still always going to be known first and foremost for this property, I would think. If Jack Kirby was the early 90s rock band, the Gin Blossoms, this is his new miserable experience. Right. (laughs) There you go. That's the two ways to look at Jack Kirby. He's either Joss Whedon or the Gin Blossoms. Uh, Also, Fantastic Four is an interesting book in that uh, when Marvel, in in 68, when Marvel finally started publishing more titles like they were sort of limited to how many titles they did a lot of their Mm -hmm. uh, most of their new titles were from fantastic four comics silver surfer namor who predated it but had become basically a fantastic four character the inhumans these guys all jumped into their own titles to uh, moderate success to or no success in some cases but i think it was still like fantastic four was this idea factory 
the the number of characters in the Fantastic Four comics in the first 100 issues is staggering. Really, in the first uh, like all, 40 issues. Yeah, they were all pretty much created mostly by Jack Kirby, but let's say co-created by Jack Kirby and Stan Lee to play it safe. And um, and it's like the foundation of the Marvel Universe. There's ton, tons of characters. The volume is impressive. A lot of them are truly great. A lot of them remain as huge characters in the Marvel Universe. We're, I mean, the Black Panther is one of these. Silver Surfer, like Kevin just said. I mean, the main characters, the Fantastic Four themselves, are almost second fiddle to like the cast that surrounds them by the middle of the series' run, in a way. Yeah. Um, it, and you, one you of can't the things, separate the FF from the ensemble around them. I'm in the midst of, we're both in the midst of rereading all of these comics, which is one of the reasons why there's such a break from our Spider-Man season and this season. Yeah, we did, I didn't think it'd be so hard to read 100 comics issues, but it is. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I'm in the middle of it, and what I was noticing in the best stories was how much it just feels like the cast is expanded to include all of these. Like, it wasn't like, oh... This issue has the Inhumans in it. It was like the Inhumans are part of this comic book now forever and ever. And that isn't yeah. necessarily true, but for a long stretch, it is. Um, so we're excited to get into all that. Uh, another reason, though, why I'm fascinated with the FF is actually, ironically, it's because of the inconsistency. There are a lot of like flaws or certainly in the early issues and stuff kind of takes a while to settle into place, you know, before Stan and Jack really figure out what they're doing. There's a lot of bumps. The characters, their personalities change a lot in the first like 20 issues, even though it was a hit right away. It takes a little bit before it becomes the great fantastic four that we know it will become. Um, and all of the weird wonky stuff is is really fun to me. There's just so much invention and craziness going on. The craziness, basically, it's like it's like a B movie with an unlimited budget. Yeah, it's almost it's a little silly and goofy at first. I mean, comics are inherently silly and goofy, but uh, they sort of sometimes take themselves seriously anyway. It's not like uh, when you're reading Spider-Man comics, it's like the it, the whole comic is sort of like we know this is stupid, but there's a bit of that in these early FF issues where it just sort of feels like. Well, they they know their ideas are dumb, so they aren't trying as hard. I don't think that's true, but it feels like that. And then at a certain well, point, the, they just sort of take themselves more seriously, and it gets infinitely better. I think um, there's a, you know, it was their first superhero book in a while. Um, well, let's talk about this. Like, yes. before the Fantastic Four in 1961. Marvel Comics wasn't even called Marvel Comics. It was called Timely Comics, or and then before that, Atlas Comics. I'm not actually a 100% expert on this history, and I'm only saying that because there's been books written that are very particular, but I know the gist of what I'm saying is, is correct. And before the Fantastic Four, Timely, which would become Marvel, they did like just genre books like romance, Western, war stories, monster books. Uh, Kevin, am I right on this? Yes. Uh there was not a lot of – there was really no superhero books at the time of FF number one coming out from Marvel or what would – They had like uh, Millie the Model, right? And like um, – They had Tales to Astonish, Tales of Suspense, um, Amazing Fantasy, these sort of anthology they, books that where they could sort of I throw think, what they wanted. But it was, it was a lot of – some were sci-fi, some were monster, some were like action, but 
I think it was a little bit of a ripoff of like the Tales from the Crypt EC comics stuff. Yes. Like, um, just like story of the month. Yeah. I mean, uh, e- earlier than that, they had a book called Snafu, which was like their mad magazine, which I think yeah, was Mar- done before this. I mean, Marvel was just chasing every trend. They were copying everybody else. I don't get the impression that they were a big player. Um, and DC Comics in the, in, was huge. Yes, yeah, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, they were the dominant superhero force without question. And I think at this point, The Flash was back and Green Lantern was back because uh, the Justice League was back. And those characters are all yes. part of Justice League and Aquaman. So this was like DC was hitting its second wave already. Yeah. Part of the fun of the Fantastic Four when you read it is is knowing that when it was coming out, these early issues that we're going to talk about, Marvel was a small, scrappy company. They were not the media behemoth that we know them of today. They were very much also Rands, unimportant players. But because of the Fantastic Four and also Spider-Man, they would vaunt to like the top spot in the comics industry and take over. The Fantastic Four is not just like a fun adventure story. It's how this little magazine publishing company became the dominant media force in American comics. And now we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hey, it's us again, your hosts, Kevin and Will Hines, and we want to hear from you. That's right. You can email us at screwitspidey at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at screwitcomics. We also have an Instagram account where we post images from the comics that we talk about, and that's screwitcomics on Instagram. That's three different ways to connect with us. Tell us your thoughts about the issues we're talking about or the format of the show or our life choices that have led us to this point. Reach out and tell us anything, honestly, and we might talk about it on a future episode of this podcast. Thanks for listening to Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics from Campfire Media. And we're back. Yeah, it's uh, it's almost like a Marvel was Google, like kind of trying to fight Microsoft. And then at some point, Google's bigger. <laughs> Yes, exactly. It's exactly like that. Um, one of the main reasons was because of the creator, Jack Kirby. Um, Jack Kirby had been a comics professional since the 40s. He had co-created Captain America with his longtime partner, Joe Simon, you know, in the 40s. That was a huge hit. And Jack had a, a lot of hits. Jack was like a really successful comic book guy. And it's interesting to me that Marvel got him. And I, I don't know the full story, but like Jack did stuff for DC. But my very loose impression is that Jack was like too big to like deal with the pain in the butt of working for DC, but not quite big enough to be totally on his own. Something like that made him ripe for like being employed by Marvel. Yeah, I also I think maybe Marvel paid him a little bit more. Yeah, I think they just paid him a little bit more per page. They gave him a lot of freedom and a lot of respect, whereas at DC he would get into fights with editors. Um, and I and it was the luckiest thing that Marvel Comics ever did because they basically got this brilliant artist. Now, this that's not to throw shade at Stan Lee. Stan Lee, I think, is a brilliant writer, salesman, and the funniest man who ever wrote superhero comics in, in that era. Yeah, um, I mean, if you listen to our Spider-Man podcast, we – Give him a lot of credit for bringing a lot to the Marvel Universe. Uh, we have an episode all about Stan Lee from when he passed on recently. Uh, we think Stan sometimes gets not enough credit because 
everyone gives him too much credit. <laughs> exactly. Like the mainstream media credits Stan with way too much. They credit him as like the sole creator. That's not true at all. But then comics fans who are in the know kind of like undersell Stan weirdly to make up for it. And that's also not true. Um, you don't have Marvel comics without Stan Lee. Yes. And, uh, but it, it's Stan and Jack and the FF when they started it, I think I think the publisher Martin Goodman asked them, "Hey, could you do something like Justice League? This Justice League over at DC is doing great." And Marvel would just always copy whatever the big guys were doing. And for whatever reason, Stan and Jack said, "Okay, we'll do a Justice League, but we're going to do it our way." And it's actually not really going to feel like Justice League. We're we're tired of grinding them out. We're guys who've been around for a while. We're going to do stuff that's interesting to us, right? That's the story I've always heard about yeah. FF. I mean, I don't know how much they told Martin Goodman that. I think they just said, yes, sir. And then they got together and said, like, great, let's do our team book. Yes. I mean, they were also doing and a weird thing where the Justice League was a bunch of existing characters, and Fantastic Four, Marvel didn't have existing characters, so they had to create a whole team. Yeah. Um, there's the feeling when you read these FF stories of two veterans, Jack Kirby and Stan Lee, the creators, kind of like on their own you know they're not accountable to anybody but themselves i mean stan was the editor so uh you know the boss the editorial boss was one of the co-creators and they're just like we're doing it our way informed by 20 years in the business we're gonna do it our way and um it's just so fun it is you can you can feel the birth of a new industry when you even the even the wonky early issues are like bursting with creativity and joy. Yeah, and we'll get into that in depth when we talk about them. But I know when I was reading the sort of bad early issues, sort of that second batch, which I didn't really enjoy, but I was reading them going, this must have been so unlike anything DC was doing that even that even these bad issues might have been good enough because it's so different. You get that feel like I think that DC Comics was like the big studios and they were doing everything clean and organized and well. A lot of great DC stories at this time. But Marvel was like, I don't know, like Blumhouse horror pictures. <laughs> uh, there's, you know, it's it's m- both more thrown together but more spirited. It, it, I think a lot of FF stories are – I say B-movie with an unlimited budget. Like there's – crazy villains who have dumb motives the number of gadgets in an ff issue is insane the explanations they give for the technology are thin and silly but it is fun 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 most of the time they rarely why use the gadget again when they can just remake a different gadget that does the same thing it becomes a thing sometimes for these guys fantastic four have to go underwater to deal with the submariner reed has a brand new way of dealing with breathing water yeah any one of which would revolutionize technology on the planet but uh they don't even mention the old ones and he's just got a new way for the ff to be in the ocean for the whole issue yeah it's as if he's like lost the last device like i'll just have to invent another way um so it's it's terrific fun um why don't we talk about our, our like history of discovering the FF, Kevin, us brothers? Sure, yeah. Um, I think similar to the Spider-Man comics, uh, my first experience with them were the digests that you had. <laughs> and you know what? Similar to the Spider-Man podcast, my first exposure to the FF was the same board game that, <laughs> that introduced Spider-Man to me because it was Spider-Man and the FF. 
and I just saw the drawings of the Fantastic Four and was and I wanted to know who they were. And no one that I asked knew like my babysitters didn't know. Our parents didn't know. People knew Spider-Man, but even in this is the early 70s, not actually that long after these comics were created, no one knew the FF. So, like, it wasn't until we got those digests that I, I sort of got it. Yeah, I mean, other than, like, the short-run Hanna-Barbera cartoon, how would anyone know who they were? Yeah, so um, we Kevin and I were kids, and we had these reprints of the first six issues in this little digest. We read those. Um and I, I, I like those stories did, fine. Did we have two volumes of Fantastic Four? No, there's just one, I think. Just one? I can't remember. Yeah. We don't have that just, anymore. Um, but I think those early issues are good. Those first um, six or eight issues, whatever was in that digest. I think even rereading yeah. those, I think they're still really fun and interesting. I think they tail off pretty quick after that. Um, but they're fun and, and they're just they're so... Uh, they're just going for it. You know, it's again, we're going to do a whole podcast on those issues. So I, I don't want to dive too deep, but there's something about watching them sort of dip their toe into superheroes and just swim out as fast as they could to get into it. Um, Cause the I characters think partly because, because they'd been doing all these genre books, horror, Western tales to astonish sci-fi books. A lot of that bleeds into FF. There's monsters, there's sci-fi, there's like period pieces, you know, time travel as the superhero elements. It's all mixed in there. And even the characters feel like uh, characters from like a B-horror movie, right? It's like the scientist, his girlfriend, the guy who punches people, and the kid. You know, yeah, it's like, it, they just feel like they're going to go fight giant ants right away. <laughs> they're made to fight giant ants. Um, so Kevin and I had these issues, uh, the next, my next sort of, and, and so, um, whenever I would go to like Seven Eleven and buy comics, I would pick up an issue of the fantastic four, but this would be like every three or four months. So I never knew what was going on. I'd get, I would always get something, you know, eight issues since my last one I bought. So I was like, I was always completely confused by fantastic four issues. This, this is, these, these are ones that would have come out in the late seventies. Um, and then a comic book store opened up near us called Outer Limits Comics. This is when I was 13 or something. Mm-hmm. And Kevin, I guess you were eight. Yes. And, um, it was the only, uh, we, we lived in Danbury, Connecticut and it was, you know, there was no sidewalks. We were sort of on the edge of town. There was no place we could go, but this was just close enough that our, our mother would let me walk to it. It was like the only th- amenity we could go to. And so I started going every week to get comics. Down a very busy road. She probably shouldn't have let us go. She, it was probably a bad idea. Um, and uh, we, and I guess you would come with me, Kevin. Is that right? And Not initially. I think you just brought them home. At some point I started going with you. I don't know when that transition happened. I bet it was a few years later before I started going. I wasn't going there at eight. So having a comic book store nearby like really opened us up to comics. And the first one that I bought was Fantastic Four, not even Spider-Man. And I started getting that every month. And this is when the creator, John Byrne, was doing comics, which is heralded as a terrific run on the Fantastic Four series, which we will not be covering in these episodes. But it really reignited my love of FF. Yeah. Um, we might and do Kevin, another you would read season. those with me. Uh, we might do another season about John Byrne's run because I think it's good enough to deserve it. Um 
or I'm arguing that we should with Will. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think I was reading them initially when you, I don't know when you, what first issues you got for me. I remember I got more into comics when, um, the serials, uh, offered free Marvel comics with box tops. Ah, so that would have ah, been, ah. there was an issue of fantastic four and there was some Spider-Man has black costume. It was right around secret wars era. So yeah. sort of, early John Byrne run, but not beginning John Byrne run is when I started reading it. And then I think I went back and read the old ones. Um, Fantastic Four didn't grab me as quickly as the Hulk or Spider-Man did. But uh, by the time Byrne's run ended, I think I was way into them because that, that run was so good. And then the digest of those original issues was so fun. Right. That it just made right. it seem like this book was always good. I didn't know that it was bad for most of the time in between. <laughs> Outer Limits comics or Marvel comics, but I bought it at Outer Limits, had a Fantastic Four poster and it was like crammed with characters. There was like dozens and dozens of characters on this poster. And um, and I was like, oh, I'll, I'll buy that poster. I like it. I think I won it in a raffle or something. Um, but then I read on the caption, it was like, these are all the characters created under Jack Kirby in the first 100 issues. And I was like, Oh my God. And that was the first glimpse I had of, Oh, something happened in the first hundred issues of this run that I don't know about. And it was, um, it was much it, later on. I think when we, when the essentials started coming out, which was the black and white Marvel reprints that yeah, would collect like 20, like, 25 issues at a time. Yeah. I was in like my late twenties and then Marvel started printing these black and white reprints of their old issues. Yeah. Called the essentials. And they did an FF compendium. They did three volumes that covered the. They did Jack more Kirby. than three, but yes. Uh, okay. Three. The, the first th- three covered the Jack Kirby issues. I mean, and, um, I had well, never. I, read I don't them, mean so to correct like, you on that. I think the first five or six covered Kirby. I think there was like twenty to twenty-five issues, so it was at least four volumes oh, wow. for Kirby. Because I think volume three was when they finally got to Galactus. <laughs> oh, you're right. You're right. Because right. we were reading volume that. two and it was getting really good. And we were getting really into it because the uh, end of volume one was kind of bad. And then volume two gets really good. And we finished it. I remember going, we haven't even gotten to Galactus yet. Like the most famous character I know. Yeah. So Kevin and I had this experience when I was in my late 20s, and I guess Kevin is early 20s, of reading these reprints of FF, stuff that we had known as a kid and liked a lot, but we'd never read the originals. And, um, you know, just as comics nerds, we're like, oh, let's read the original stuff and be sort of completist about it. Um, And I just remember being amazed at how good those original – yeah, they started off good, dipped immediately, then started to get really good, and then in the – what would be the ish, the 40s and 50s got so good that I was like, oh, these are the greatest superhero stories that have ever been made. And I didn't even know about it until I was almost 30. And we sort of discovered those at the same time. Yeah. And we had heard about those stories. I mean, these are the stories where Black Panther was introduced and the Inhumans, who I knew but didn't like. But they're very famous characters in the Marvel Universe. And Galactus is the this guy who eats planets and is probably the <laughs> most famous threat the Fantastic Four face. So we knew about all those characters. But having not but read these read issues, the stories. we just had to assume they were good uh, or interesting enough to have spawned all this off. <laughs> yeah. And then to, and then to read them and see how good they were was so thrilling. I mean, you know, it's like when you watch an old movie that you've heard of and then it's actually st- 
still good. Like it's not just something you have to appreciate because it's like you've been told that it's influential. You're like, no, I just love this movie. Yeah. I remember in college I went to a screening of Casablanca, which I had never seen. And I was kind of preparing myself to get like a little sleepy during it. It's a black and white romance movie. And then that movie was so fun and exciting and funny. And I was like, oh, my, this movie is this movie should be a hit. Which, of course, it uh, <laughs> it's weird when you like a classic. Like, I didn't read The Great Gatsby until I was like 35 because uh, I, I don't remember how I got around it in high school. I just skipped it or maybe I read the Cliff Notes or something. But I read it for the first time when I was 35 and I was like, this book's really good. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, you have like everyone really should dumb, read this book. You, you feel really like an dumb. idiot when you're like, The Great Gatsby is a good novel. Like, you feel like a dummy. Yeah. But, uh, and I, and that's kind of like that with us in the Fantastic Four. We read them late, and it's like, Oh, this is how the Marvel Universe came to exist. Yeah. Um, so, one of the reasons why we want to cover these episodes is to maybe give you, the listener, some kind of similar experience. We're going to go through the issues in big swaths. So, uh, you know, getting to this mountain. Of quality. <laughs> yeah. So, like, next so. episode, we're going to cover the first eight issues, is it? Yes. Yeah. Just to give you an idea of, like, how we're going to do this. So we're going to cover eight issues at a time. So we're not going to go page by page and walk you through it. We will kind of hit, uh, depending on how the many issues points. are covered, like, what happens in these stories and what's important about these yeah. stories. Um, and are we going to have segments? Yes, we'll have segments, Will. Oh, boy, will we. We got great segments coming. Not for this yeah. episode, but starting no, next episode, we're going to have segments galore. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm pitching segment titles to Will as we speak. So these won't just be segments. Mm-hmm. These will be, like, titled segments. Cleverly titled. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we're, we're excited about that. So, um, I don't know. I think, have we covered everything? I feel like maybe we have. I think we did. I think we we went a little out of order, and that's probably my fault uh, from what we planned to do. But we covered all the topics. Thank you for we admitting that. I I do I blame you for going out of order from uh, our online. Right. I mean, it was either me or Hopi <laughs> throwing this whole thing off. Hopi got fed up and left halfway through this, so that's not a good sign. Uh, Parker moved behind me and is lurking over my shoulder. Uh, I have a bunch <laughs> of boxes behind me, and he sits up there and watches from afar. Um. Uh, but yeah. Uh. So. So how can people get in touch with us, Kevin? So we're using the same email address because uh, changing, I don't I want to have another email address to have to check. So still can email us at screwitspidey at gmail.com. That's the uh, way you can email us. We'll still have our Twitter account, mm-hmm. which is screwitspidey on Twitter. Uh, but on Instagram, I'm creating new accounts. So screwitspidey on Instagram will still exist. It'll sort of be probably, I won't add much to it. Um Unless we cover more Spider-Man comics at some point. But that'll be just mostly these old Ditko drawings. And I'm going to start Screw It Comics. Uh, and mm-hmm. that will be where anything we cover on this new this season on of the podcast, I'll post art on that Instagram account. I've also started Screw It Recent that will not have anything to do with this podcast. But I read a lot of comics. And every now and then I just see a panel or a page and I want to talk about it. So I will probably post that panel there and just sort of talk about why like this issue of Jessica Jones was really fun or what have you. Yeah. Uh, and you could follow that if you're interested. We won't really get into that on this podcast, but screw it. Comics will be for a while, at least a lot of great Jack Kirby, fantastic four drawings. I can't wait. The Jack Kirby art is so beautiful and lovely. I'm excited to, to get into it. Yeah. I don't know when we're and dropping I, this first episode. I'm going to hopefully have some uh, it, art up already by that time. Um, it, it should be, it should be great. I, um, 
I like that our naming convention is inconsistent. You know, on Twitter and email, we are screw it Spidey. But on Instagram, we're going to be screw it comics and screw it recent. And that is the sort of logical inconsistency (laughs) that is very much like the FF. Yeah. Um, It'll take some sort of continuity uh, uh, epic event to merge all these Instagrams. We'll need a crisis of infinite uh, social media handles to merge everything back to something simple. Uh, but yeah, if you've got uh, thoughts on the Fantastic Four, please email us, screwitspidey at gmail.com, and tell us uh, your memories of Jack Kirby's Fantastic Four or Fantastic Four in general. Um, you can also pitch other things for us to cover, though I think we pretty much know what we're going to be covering over the next few seasons of this show. We'd love to but, hear your ideas so that we can ignore them with compassion. <laughs> that's right. Um, but yeah, we're back. If, if you liked our old podcast, uh, congratulations, uh, you're back uh, to listening to us. If you didn't like it, uh, thank you for continuing to listen anyway, I guess. Yeah, thank you for your weird, uh, uh, you know, your weird plan of listening to stuff that you didn't like. Yeah. And if you're new, um, that's very exciting, too. Um, all right. Well, that's our that's our first episode. Uh, so I guess we can wrap it up, Kev. Yeah, well, um, it'll be fun doing this uh, weekly with you again for a short while. I know. I'm excited. Um, good, uh, good episode. Yeah, I think it was pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. Not peak, but I think it was good. Not peak. No, we got to build up to our peak. This is not, not our right. Galactus episode. No. Well, our episodes have to get better quality as the stories we cover get better quality. That's right. I can't yeah. wait. Yep. Uh, all right. Well, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, Kevin. Bye. Okay, so I'm, I just hit record. Why don't you do that, too? Campfire.